0: So welcome to the Urantia Radio podcast. You know, as kind of a follow-up to our previous one where we took on the very, very heavy and maybe even complex subject of the Lucifer Rebellion. I thought, you know, I should have a follow-up to it because obviously we only touched on a little bit of the after effects. We know that the Lucifer Rebellion affected at least 37 worlds just like ours. Perhaps some of them were a little earlier than along in their evolutionary steps, maybe more progressive, but, you know, nevertheless, there, were, uh, there was a lot of impact from the, you know, rebellion. Because it's almost as if, like, we were using the analogy that Lucifer being a system sovereign is sort of like the equivalent of being a governor. And, um, and it's like a governor seceding from the United States saying, you know, we're going to do things our way. We're going to, we're going to go communist. You know, we don't want a free market system anymore. That's almost kind of like what it seems like it's happening in California. But um, anyway, my point is, is that what were the effects of and what are the continuing effects of the Lucifer rebellion on our world, right? So I found on truthbook.com The Rancho Book Forum. And if you haven't had an opportunity, you probably have. It's a great place. It's been around forever. Uh, You know, I think I've been on that site since probably going back to 2000, and I want to say 2010 or something. But anyway, it's a great site. It's just basically people uh, either arguing with each other or sharing information. Anyway, there was a, uh, somebody had put up a post starting a discussion. Which is kind of the subject of this because we want to talk about the effects of evil in our society and what's causing it and where it's coming from. And I wanted to kind of pontificate on it a little bit because, you know, there's no question things are really kind of bad right now with all of these lockdowns and everybody, you know, under control and the economy, the economic impact of everything that's going on. Not to mention the fact that you know, this virus came from probably some lab and it's probably some bioweapon or something or some research gone haywire. And we're all paying the price. We've had about 4 million people on the books that have uh, died from either COVID or COVID related illness. So that's bad. And that's really put a hex on humanity. You know, um, Everybody was supposed to be happy when we got a new president and America's economy was supposed to bounce back after we got the vaccine. And now we even have more trouble and people are fighting in the streets and there's racial division, not only here, but elsewhere. You don't hear a lot about what's happening in places like France and Germany, where people are really upset at their governments for the way they've handled covid you know, it seems in our country we are there's two there's two factions. There are the people that are just completely suspicious of the government right now, and they don't trust a lot of things. They feel like they've been betrayed. Uh, a lot of people on the left or on the progressive side are are just really nervous about conservatives and conservatism, and they're pushing really hard to maintain control. But in the middle of all this. Is a lot of angst and anger and frustration between people, and that's what the end result is, and it's sad because you know now we're living in a, a very tense age. Uh, and then meanwhile you've got totalitarianism on the rise in a lot of countries. you've got poor economies. It does seem like there's it seems like you know I, I'm not a mathematician, but it seems like there is a more concentration of wealth. And the, the people that represent the middle class are, are a little um, smaller than they were, say, 20, 30 years ago. You know, it's hard for me to know. But either way, it is. these are tens times. And there's a lot of bad going on. And somebody on truthbook.org asked the question, what really is going on in our world right now? And I'll read it, and I'm not going to tell you who wrote it, protect their privacy, but I'll read it verbatim. And then I'm going to read the answer, and and I think you'll like the answer. Okay, so here it goes. Because you probably have asked this question. All media sources for accurate or truthful information regarding current events are highly questionable at the moment. Maybe they've always been. Who do you believe? Who can you believe? That's the person writing this post. Are the powers of darkness feeling their doom? Is Calagasty behind the situation, manipulating everything and everybody he can? Is Islam evil? Are those in positions of power in politics, media, and business, and organized religion, influencing the masses to stand against the truth? It's a lot of different questions, right? Are we at that point where, quote, sin was bewitching, and adventurous in the committing, but now must the harvest of the naked and unromantic facts be faced? Or are these just times, or are these just another page in the story of how truth ultimately prevails? Ooh, that's a lot of heavy questions, right? And then somebody, (laughs) somebody put up the point that you know, these are like the end times. And and there's been a lot of that discussion going on, the tribulation. But then this one gentleman responds and he, he gives such a practical answer. And you, you have to respect him because he's, he's probably spot on right. You know, talking about the influence of the devil. And these are terrible times. And no doubt they are, no question. So what this writer responds to the first question, which is basically, you know, is evil, is this the great time period of good versus evil? Is that what's happening? And then this gentleman writes, we'll call him Sam. Sam writes, what is going on is exactly what has been going on the entire time. We are experiencing a slow and painful evolution from savagery to a semblance of civilization. There is nothing particularly special about this time, as opposed to any other time in the course of human history. The nation of the United States, located in the northern hemisphere of this world, is lately coming off a period of relative progress, a phenomena which obviously terrified a large portion portion of its populace, and is entering a period of relative regression. Now I want to stop right there. And he's right so far. He's making the point. You know, we you know, the United States and North America and even Western Europe last 100, 200 years we've been progressing. Solving problems, coming up with better methods of of distribution of food and medicine, and literacy. I mean, if you look back at the last 500 years of human 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 humanity, you'll recognize that we have progressed. It has been more progress than regress it's almost as if we're like taking a breath, right? So now this guy says, Sam says, we're entering a period of relative retrogression. Simple. That's it. You know, a lot of people, it's been a lot of changes. The Orangia book talks about this, a lot of changes. You know, in one period, what used to take several generations, now in one period of time, uh, culture mores change, values change, relativism, truth changes. And it's scared a lot of people. That makes sense to me. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's a conspiracy behind the scenes of demons and angels fighting each other for the soul of man. That already happened. That happened 300,000 years ago. That's what I shared with you yesterday. That's what I shared with you. What I didn't share with you, and perhaps I should have, was the good that has come from the rebellion by allowing beings from all strata to place their loyalties, show where they're loyal, show that they actually believe in what they live, not just live it. Um, so anyway, let me continue on. So Sam continues, says geographically, across the planet, the Middle Eastern states continued to royal in the aftermath of an unfortunate attempt to instigate the early return of Jesus by the Western Christian nations. So that's an interesting comment because there has been continuous turmoil in the Middle East. An unfortunate attempt to instigate the early return of Jesus. There is some truth to that. I know that with uh, ISIS and certain factions of Islam, they actually want... The the ultimate battle to take place in Armageddon. That's what they're looking for, and uh, that's why they try to instigate a war with the West because the West to them represents Christ, and so they have to defeat Christ, and by defeating Christ and the Christians, then Islam becomes victorious, and then the Sam continues. He says it will be generations before this work, this all works itself out. Asia seems to be on the rise, to some degree, I'll get to that in just a moment, with the yellow races leading much of the technology portion of the current scientific revolution. The northern white races appear to be in decline, but this, outwardly, this outward decline may be cleverly masking a slow but steady spiritual renaissance. The current leaders of, the democracy, of democracy and freedom appear to be the Scandinavian nations and Canada, The current last placers in this latest contest appear to be the nations of North Korea and Syria. And then he concludes in the forum, In short, it's business as usual, and we are exactly where we are supposed to be right now, all things considered. And so that's his answer to the question, you know, is the Kalagastia influence making its mark on our time today are we indeed in this period of testing cuz that's sort of the spirit of what the question is and so to sam the fictional name uh, to protect his his real name makes a lot of good points which is that you know we are we are crawling out of a of a you know a savage world we are becoming more civilized we do have to come to terms with a lot of our behaviors i, I remember when jesus was talking at the, um, remember the uh, what was it called? The Ermia lectures, and he talks about how tribes become nations and how nations are set against each other. And he expresses that in every generation, the the following gen or the subsequent generation is always embarrassed by the behavior of the previous generation. So that's what's going on now, I think, with all of this talk about race and how we treated people in the past. We're embarrassed because, you know, now with more intellectual insight and more wisdom, we see that slavery was wrong, is that there was no justification for it. So, you know, we see that now, but our forefathers and our ancestors, you know, they didn't have that insight that we have today. So naturally, there's only two reactions. You can either accept the fact that they just didn't know, because they hadn't come to the insights that we have come to, or you can try to atone for those sins. So, you know, And that's usually what the human condition... And the thing is, in, in the current um, paradigm, what it appears to be is that the, the ancestors of the people who were enslaved are now seeking retribution. Uh, and And they don't have a problem with trying to get people to confess their sins, if you know what I mean. But that's a natural process of evolution because you know, we are evolving from savagery to civilization, a high civilization. So we are going to have to somehow reconcile our past behaviors. And there's a lot of past behavior that we're going to eventually have to reconcile. We're still committing the big sin of racial, uh, not racial, but sexual inequality. In most countries of the world, women have little to no rights. And the next generation is going to look back on this generation and the generations before with the same vitriol and anger that our current generation has about slavery two, three hundred years ago. So, uh, but, you know, to the bigger question of Caligastia, he, yes, he still roams. One wonders if he has a play in current conditions but I, he's powerless. He's one. He doesn't have the ability to move things across the room. He doesn't have the ability to invade a, a person's mind. The orange book says unless you really identify with 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 pure evil and you want to go that route, well sure, you know, I, I don't know what he could do for you, but if that's the way you want to be, then you know, you, I guess If you're a true materialist or a true humanist, you probably wouldn't believe in the devil. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of preachers who would say that's the trick. that The devil convinces you that he's just not there. And I think that's what's happening today. In the one sense, Caligastia's influence, the influence of the rebellion and of Lucifer, is the exalted humanism. See, an atheist denies God, and this is a quote from paper 195, atheism denies or science denies God. Uh, materialism or secularism simply ignores him. They don't even ask the question. The, the question to them is, is ignorant. It's like asking somebody what their you know, astrological sign is. Like well, you know, it it, there's no relevance. You're asking me if I believe in something that I don't believe is real. So obviously the, you know, that would be the atheist or the secularist's answer. So having now had a society that has gone from being super religious to not religious at all, you wonder if human behavior is a reflection of why religion is important in society. So you hear people say, you know, in the old days, they used to make people read the Bible. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln learned to read by reading the Bible. So you have to ask yourself honestly and squarely, even if you're an atheist and you believe that everything in that Bible is wrong, if it helps shape moral conduct, and if it provides the impetus for a person to behave better, isn't that more important than whether or not you believe something is true or not true. If the outcome is a society of moral and ethical human beings, then isn't that the goal? And, and, And however it is that we choose to get there, if drinking milk on Tuesday helps us achieve, you know, that state where everybody gets along and treats each other with the golden rule, then it doesn't matter. So, you know, today I think... There's a militaristic, antagonistic view towards religion. Certainly in the media, media ignores religion. Most of the major online newspapers, you won't find a religious section. And if you do, it'll be somehow mired in some debate or some legal ruling that has to do with LGBTQ, which, by the way, is a religion for a lot of people. Uh, climate change has replaced religion. Uh, the collective desire to prevent disaster and natural disaster, uh, because they believe that we we have destroyed our planet, is 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 the substitute for religion, in my opinion. And maybe that's not what the Urantia Book says, but you know. Again, it's my opinion, so, and it's my podcast, so I get to share my opinion. And if you disagree with me, I'm always happy to hear what you say about it. But the fact that I'm trying to make, or the point that I'm trying to make, is that if the purpose of Caligastia and if the purpose of Lucifer was to eliminate God from society because they felt that God wasn't real, then you have to be honest and say, is society better off without deity? The idea of deity or the idea of God. You know, in, in, in Lucifer's three points, if people would just assert themselves, physical gravity and spiritual personality are inherent in the universe. It's an automatic ref, you know, reflection from the universe. doesn't necessarily mean that there's a deity behind it. That was... Lucifer's charge. Lucifer's charge was why all these rules? Let's just let people learn and, and, you know, let them go at their own speed and let's get all of this old archaic stuff out of the way. None of that stuff's true. Now, that sounds like a lot of, of what is happening in the woke movement, in the cancel culture, which is the same as what happened in the 60s and also, I think, in the 20s in China, you had these cultural revolutions where anything that was rooted in the past was simply discounted. There was just, you know, it didn't matter anymore. Throw away the old rules, tear down the statues. They're the ones that created the problems. Religion creates problems. Religion starts wars. That's something that you hear all the time from people. If it wasn't for religion, you know, we wouldn't have these conflicts. Now, I'm going to make an observation and then I'm going to wrap it up. Um, probably the most offensive method that the schools and culture adopted what I think is the Luciferian ideology, which is that there is no God, and that there is no afterlife, that there is no heaven, came from who hap- one person who happened to be one of my favorite musicians uh, when I was growing up, John Lennon. So they took the song written by a man who was secularist. You know, if you don't know the story of John Lennon, um, he he was not raised by his mother. He was raised by his aunt, and his father had left them at an early age. And you also have to remember that John Lennon was born in 1940. So by the time he was five years old, he had seen the bombings. You know, interesting that if you look at all the people, all the great musicians that came from Europe and England and elsewhere, you know, they were all born in 1940, 1941. So they remember Germany bombing the shit out of London and the hell out of, they saw what could only be described as an apocalypse. Imagine if that was your first few years of life and then on top of that, your father dying. And then on top of that, the starvation and the mass confusion and the chaos, you know, it would be very hard for a young child like that, unless they were especially endowed with an advanced thought adjuster, to think in terms of God's mercy. And so it's it's easy for me to understand that John Lennon or people like John Lennon could grow up and they could be secularists because to them, they've not made, they don't, you know, the only thing they see about religion is, you know, what we all see, you know, evangelicals saying things that just don't connect sometimes. Fiery preachers, you know, that tell you you're going to go to hell if you don't confess your sins. You know, these are turnoffs for people who already have a dysfunction toward thinking about a deity in terms of love and mercy and patience. And so when John Lennon wrote Imagine, it wasn't that he was trying to exert his atheistic views upon the world but rather it was because he was saying that we in order for us to give up the fight we have to equally accept that we're all human we're all here together that was the message you know imagine all the people living as one that that was the line he just you know how can we stop these wars and he was admired for that In fact, he was so admired that almost every school kid that went to school between 1971 until, and probably even today, has learned that song. And in the the very beginning of the song, it says, Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Now, musically, that was a very poetic way of expressing, imagine if you didn't focus so much on the afterlife and you have, focused instead on this life, imagine how much better we could make it for everybody. That's what he was trying to say. And he was alluding to the fact that many people fight over religion. Instead of living the religion, they're fighting over it. And I think that was the essence. But to the secularist, it was the anthem. So all these school kids, you know, taught in an environment of of humanism, because religion is not taught in the schools, it's avoided completely. And so they had this anthem that promoted the humanist or secularist ideology. And in that respect, we, we have to give Calagastia a victory. We have to give the rebellion a victory because they achieved a level of acceptance on our planet in this day where people have given up on the, on the eternal adventure. To that effect, Calagastia has had much impact. And if he hasn't had impact, he's certainly applauding the progress that humanism has made on our world. Humanism and secularism will not save us from ourselves. It will only make us worse. It will only make us more savage, not more enlightened. You know, religion, philosophy, um, these are the arts of the mind And it's only through the examination of religion, spirituality, do we grow intellectually and see wisdom. And if you're not a religious person, then you would disagree with me. But I'm telling you, my experience, when I pray, when I worship, when I contemplate eternal realities, I feel like my brain gets better at understanding day-to-day life and dealing with anxiety you know, originally I wanted to make these these podcasts motivational. Taking the Arantia book truths and using them to motivate people. So let me try to do that now. You know, we live in a special age. We're seeing more than our ancestors ever saw. But we all also have in our possession a great road map on how we can navigate these waters. So, you're not alone. And these are tremendously tribulation tribulatory times but they're not the end times we we're not even at the halfway mark there's still a lot of work to be done so that's where we're going to leave it this time up on the Urantia radio podcast we're moving into different areas of the book and I hope you'll join me real soon as you know we try to do an update or two once a week and of course all of our podcasts are archived on Urantia radio.net, and you can listen to us on so many different formats and so many different platforms and we're getting close to 40,000. So, uh, the audience is growing. I'm very excited until next time. Don't forget. You can always reach me at your book Radio at gmail.com. Until next time.